Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. We have a interesting topic to cover here today. We, we cover a lot of stuff as usual, but uh, I would say the main takeaway that I personally got from this conversation was the, I guess, the theory and understanding that if you're celebrating highs, you don't give your brain a choice but to be negative in the lows, right? Like it's, it's actually increasingly difficult to remain stoic and remain indifferent during times of pushback from the world or challenges if you are celebrating the opposite of that, right? And uh, I guess, well, we come to that conclusion in this podcast at least, right? And so I'm very interested to know what you guys think and how this lands for you, where you see this as being prevalent in your life, in your business. So please do not hesitate to give us some feedback on that and share your two cents uh, with us at the Weekly Call Pod on Instagram or via email, theweeklycallpod at gmail.com. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. We have myself, Austin, out in Elmer, Quebec. Uh, we have John Morgan III out in Kelowna, BC. And uh, we have Amr, who I think is, uh, I'm actually not exactly sure where you are, but I know you're not in Canada. Where are you right now? I am, I am in San Pedro, Belize. <laughs> Where is that? San Pedro, Belize. I'm going to Google that. Belize is south of Mexico. I think it's around, it's bordering Nicaragua. And San Pedro is an island. Is an island off Belize City. So we land in Belize City. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. What inspired the trip? Um, Well, last time we, we went to Austin, Texas. And that was in, I came back in December. And then the following three months were one of the best. And so I said, oh, you know what? Maybe every quarter I can take a little week off. A little hiatus. Yeah, a little week off. Reset, compose myself, remove myself from all my systems, get better at delegating, get more. Oh, this is where you are right now? Um, Yeah. Unreal. Well. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, I can I can show. Yeah, I'm gonna you show you. Okay, that's a photo of San Pedro, and then I'm gonna show you where I am. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> okay, 
Hey, here's Elmer Quebec, baby. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> Pick one, man. Pick one. I like Elmer Quebec, man. There, I mean. let me sh- let me show you. <laughs> I think my my thing might my disconnect, but tell me if the, the Wi-Fi cuts off. So this is the living room. Your Wi-Fi is pretty good. Thanks, man. Yeah. And then let me put you down here one sec. Open the door. Pretty. It's a pretty damn cool view. I wonder at what point we'll be able to experience like smell and warmth through a Wi-Fi connection, you know? Like I wish just by being on video call with you, I could literally feel what Belize is like. Check it out. Oh, no way. So Unreal. That's like <laughs> yeah. a, that's a bar down there. Unreal. Yeah. So is it you and Michael? No. It's me, Mike, uh, James, Jonah, and Haley. And um, they all run their own businesses. Jonah is a music producer. Haley, are they, uh, are they part of TradeArk? TradeArk? No. Yeah. Oh, James, okay. it, it, James is James Svetic. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he runs, um, he runs uh, B&B Mastery. Mm-hmm. And he he co-authored Airbnb for Dummies, like the official for Dummies. Yeah. Uh, Jonah is a music producer, and Haley is the CEO of ABL Recruiting. So she ha- she helps uh, companies find temp workers. So this is our like our mastermind that I that that we meet like once a month, and cool. we just hold each other accountable. We have three categories that we go over um, every single time. We meet, we have business, which we rate out of uh, one out of five, five being like amazing. And then uh, we talk about finances and then we talk about our personal and health. And so with that structure, once a month, we get to like really rate our progress. It's kind of like a our, our rhythm register. And... Um, fantastic because it's it's good to have like you know all these other eyes auditing your progress and journey so it's been really cool and james has been a a great help for the building of my business because he's done a lot of facebook stuff and and all that so we've been planning to go on this trip for two years but then with covid it was nearly impossible and every month we we like uh, every member pays 150 bucks to be part of the group and all that mm-hmm. money goes into a fund and that fund only gets spent on a vacation so we're supposed to go once a year but so it's 2 years worth of uh, of money we've saved up so we got this nice airbnb mm, that's a good plan cool. it's fantastic man yeah and um it's great because when you step away from the business it's like you just get to see it from a 30,000 foot view. You're not as emotional. You're not like kind of thrown about the day to day. And you get to like right. catch, catch yourself. So like, you know, I'm having a really good, you know, my business is doing really well. I'll give you another update in two and a half months. So like, like I told you guys, I want to give you updates like every yeah. three months on how it's going. But, you know, last quarter was excellent. So I want to do even better. And I already caught a couple of things that I was that I got complacent or completely forgot about. I'm like, oh shoot! And this was like mm. just day one. I caught it. Um, and then 
yeah, day two here today. Um, so uh, something was like something happened with my real estate portfolio, and I got like good advice on what to do. It was something good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, the the market in Sudbury is doing really well, and we're thinking about either selling or refinancing that apartment building. And so I got advice from somebody from the group on why refinancing is excellent because loans, like if you just think about it, having a big loan is a good hedge against inflation because usually inflation causes real estate to go up, but then the value of money decreases. So the loan number stays the same. So if you if you have a $500,000 loan, that $500,000 is worth less in like three years, well, but your property is worth more. So that's also yes. very this is like very simplified there's like definitely nuances but well i mean i would i would say that just the the biggest just obviously thing to consider there is the interest rate interest yeah if the interest rate changes yeah well um if yeah but but one would argue that only in the most maybe extreme of situations would be you know what you're talking about would be i would say like a super effective strategy and even then it uh, like we're talking like why you know weimar republic kind of germany kind of wiping out debts but i i don't know i don't know if that i don't know if that's the strongest argument it, it's a piece of a, of a much larger argument but there's that debate kind of going on so yeah no it's great this is a, this has been fun so far and uh, oh yeah, um, the airplane lost all my luggage, so I'm on. <laughs> I'm, I'm like re- I had to buy like this shirt, and I had to buy like swim shorts. So, and that was that was really cool experience because it bothered me zero that they lost all my clothes and like some mic and like some batteries and chargers. So that was that was a great experience. Yeah, just like an entire bag full of clothes. It's like yeah, it is what it Unreal. is. Unreal. So that that was that was cool. Literally like zero. I'm like oh yeah, it's just yeah. So that, that was a fun experience. But yeah, so so far so good. This week has been very productive because I basically broke down my inputs and what they looked like on a week to week basis based on my last month. And I said, well, if I'm taking these nine days off, I, I can just do those inputs in those nine days in my previous days. So all that momentum, I could like take that little break and I'm, and I could still come back because we have a very aggressive goal to hit by the end of the month that will allow us to do like a pretty big move that I'm really excited about. And it looks like we're going to hit it. Knock on wood. Um, so look out for that. That's going to be really cool. But uh, yeah, my week was excellent. That was yours, Austin. It was uh, it was good. I just want to know about your yeah your trip. When did you decide to do that? Um, three weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, two and a half weeks ago. And I was gonna mention it to you guys, but I completely forgot. Yeah, no, no. So it's... And I'm like, oh, I'll just make it a surprise. So I'm just thinking for trips like that for myself. Like I can definitely see the 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 removal part from the business being. Uh, effective for a period of like a couple days or a week yeah the um, idea of quarterly if reviews it's planned if it's planned it's it's even more effective so you can totally wrap right. up your your input before and after yeah totally yeah 
But the the idea here is like stepping away from the business makes you better at the business. Like it's good to take those those breaks. Um, I won't even use break as the right word. Just mm-hmm. those shifts in it's observation. It's a part of the process. Yeah. 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 Like I always like just look for the smartest people. Like, okay, well, why does Bill Gates just completely remove himself and all technology, retreat into a cabin, read and come back? Well, Microsoft is a multi-trillion-dollar company, so maybe mm-hmm. he was maybe he was onto something there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why he actually do that. Yeah, for, totally. Like, you can look it up. Yeah. For how long? Like, I think he would go for like a week. Bill Gates. Yeah, he would bring a stack of books, and he would basically just yeah, he would take an entire Lock week to read. Yeah, so you would think like he would step away from the day to day shenanigans. And all he's doing is reading and thinking about the, the the long term, which is really what a CEO and founder. How to take a Bill Gates think week to recover from life. Yeah, there you go. It's yeah. a great little headline. Mm. No computer access, no phone access. Oh, dude, I I wanted to, to, to share this with you guys. Um, I was going to... I, I was getting this huge urge to break one of my dopamine uh, detox rules that I set, which is mm. one of one of which was no Netflix. But there's all these really good documentaries that I want to watch. So I, I, I called the Patreon like three, four days ago. And I was like, "Hey, like here, I'm I'm in this I'm in this pickle where I, yeah, I yeah, there's yeah. this documentary that I want to study, that I want to truly understand, that I want to learn. It's it's the Kanye documentary. It's a person that I followed for a long time, who I think is one of the greatest marketers and brand builders there are. And there's this documentary about his rising. So I'm like, I feel like I can learn something from this guy. I really think I can learn something from this guy. And so, called the Patreon group." I think like six people jumped on. It was an amazing conversation. And um, what I took away was a structure, which is I think a lot of... So Ryan Holiday talks about a lifetime versus dead time. And I think what a lot of social media does is it it just builds a lot of dead time. So John, remember when you were sitting down with Matt Lang and Matt gave you his phone on IG and you were like kind of scrolling like one post every five minutes, like you would read the caption, you'd look at the photo, you'd think about it, you'd really like absorb it. I would say you're pretty alive during that time. Like you saw all this stuff that was happening. So I'm like, okay, how can I actually take something away from this documentary as if I'm reading a book in a structured manner? So I took notes before the documentary about what I was looking forward to, like my expectations going in, what I'm excited to learn. And then I took notes during the documentary. And then I took notes right after. And I was able to debrief it. And the conclusion I got to was I actually learned a couple of things that were really inspiring. Um, I came up with a couple of uh, actual ads, like ad ideas, like angles I can take for my business from it. Um, and it just made me like inspired, like it inspired me. Inspiration and motivation are the same thing. They're kind of like a cold shower. It's not the best long-term solution, but it's cool. It was like seeing somebody that determined for his vision, seeing somebody that confident in themselves was like teetering on like really dangerous ego, but like also like kind of healthy self-confidence. So it's like, that was also very interesting for me to observe. And um, yeah, I wanted to get your guys on that. Am I telling, am I, did I just craft the greatest illusion and mental gymnastic exercise for so that I can watch Netflix documentaries and other documentaries? Do you think I should just retreat back to books? 
or do you think the way I approached it is um, is good? I I don't think that there's. Uh, Why well, I I guess I can see how you're getting caught up, but I think that the the reason that you put this rule in place was to limit the amount of useless time you were you were spending. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is where it gets tricky, right? This is in a gray zone. If it happens to coincide that something you enjoy that you would have done for pleasure also helps advance what you know about what your goals are, that's where you end up in this gray zone, right? Is where you're at. Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of documentaries I want to watch of like successful people and their rise. Like, yeah, so I'm the same. Of, yeah. I don't watch many movies uh, or TV for that matter, right? Like I'll I'll throw on the odd uh, golf round on Sunday afternoon um, or, or Bruins game from time to time. But I don't watch TV. I don't really watch movies. But what I do watch are documentaries that like I think have some pretty key takeaways. Like for example, on... Uh, last night I watched, uh, 14 peaks that climber yeah, that that's climbed. The, that, that's on my list, man. That's on my list. Dude, you got to watch that. I don't care what type of like bullshit challenge you're doing. Like, you know, like <laughs> this is a huge, you know, what you learn from this individual is truly remarkable. You're not learning it anywhere else. It's truly important for you to get that knowledge, you know, and get, and get, a perspective change that this guy like he climbed the 14 tallest mountains in the world in seven months and the previous record was something like 12 years or something. seven years seven years like from seven how? years to seven months he climbed it everest and two other adjacent mountains that are within the top 12 or top 14 he climbed those three alone in 48 hours. Like, just going through that, and then, you know... The, the, the tallest mountain in the world, the third tallest, and the fourth tallest in 48 hours. 48 hours, yeah. That's just, like, broken. Well, <laughs> you know, there's nerf. this part of the documentary, and this isn't really spoiling it by any means, so, you know, not not a spoiler alert here, but if you're, like, a hardcore spoiler alert type person, then then I guess this is a spoiler alert, but like he shows up to one of the base camps of one of the 14 mountains and the conditions are really crappy. And everyone at that base camp is like depressed because they're like, they've, they've flown out there. They've trained for it. They, they've tried. Some people have tried to summit up to four different times and they have convinced themselves that coming back down is the best way to go. And he, there's a video of him in this base camp, like pulling, like, I would say up to 50 people together. And he's like, so you're telling me when you're up on that mountain, you think you're fucked. He's like, I'll tell you what, when you think you're fucked, you're only really 45% fucked. Oh, <laughs> and then he goes and summits it in one shot. <laughs> like, but, and then these people are like, oh my God, like this person actually redefined what's possible. And then, Guess what? Over the next week, they all fucking summited the mountain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like he's literally going around hmm. and striking change amongst all these. Yeah, all but these I wonder, climbers. Austin, I wonder. I think there's a thin line between courage and recklessness. And I I I wonder, like, how well, do you hey, tell? I think you should watch it and get your own conclusion from it, right? Yeah. 
So, so well, you think so, but, watching but, watching documentaries like in, with in, with a sense of purpose is not dangerous to your? Uh... So let's say you want to go watch a documentary about some of your trap music buddies. There, you know, okay, maybe not. Trap like, music like I'm not... buddies. <laughs> what? No, I'm saying like no, like would, would, like is there a difference between reading a book about David Goggins or watching a documentary about David Goggins? In my opinion, no, there isn't. John, what do you think about that one? I think one, you do need statement. to like make a statement that's in line with what your commitments are, though, right? Like maybe you have to get clearance from someone who's doing the same thing that you are. I don't know. I do respect your your integrity, though. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, John. What are your thoughts on all this? On watching documentaries like that on Netflix, books versus documentaries. Like, I mean, I watch documentaries, right? Like, I watch The Office with Trisha. So, you know, like, I, I don't necessarily support or disapprove of it. I mean, I yeah, think that, yeah. right? I mean, I think if it's conducive. John, I'm glad to know you're goals, an office guy. Yeah, I like I like the humor. I uh, It's it's one of the few shows that I can watch and I can genuinely laugh. You, yeah, you, like I, you, I'm uh, a hard laugher. Like, I'm, I'm a hard guy to get to laugh. <laughs> yeah, and I know. And The Office. But when you laugh, me you laugh. <laughs> yeah the office cracks me up like trish and i like we're, yeah. we're crying you know like laughing. you peg me yeah. as more of a dwight Schrute type of lad you know like you you look like you get dwight's humor twice, yeah dwight well. dwight's dwight's easily my favorite character yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah dwight's awesome recyclops <laughs> recyclops <laughs> the one that yeah. the one that we watched recently was uh the shareholder meeting <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yo, you know how his brother Moe's is actually one of the founders of the show? No. Crazy. I didn't know that. No. Moe's. Yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, I I, 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 I don't know. I mean, you know, like, so I mean, you know, like, I think that moderation, I think, is a virtue for a reason. And I think that each individual can hopefully assess their own circumstances to to know whether or not the timing is right and whether or not it's the you know it's appropriate to to watch a, a show or to watch a documentary right i think it's too situational to make too many blanket sweeps but as far as like a video versus a documentary or sorry a, a, a book versus a documentary again it depends on the situation like what's your goals right because like if if I was having to like write a test about David Goggins, I would read the book. Like if I was going to get quizzed at the end, but if I was watching it just to kind of get the gist and and more or less just kind of sit there, I, I would probably I'd probably just watch the two hour documentary because I feel like I'd get the same maybe like a gist of it. I don't know if I you know, I don't I don't I don't necessarily want to be a David Goggins connoisseur, you know. So watching a documentary would probably suffice. Um, so no, I think I think that a well done documentary, I think in a lot of cases can can replace a book, um, if done properly, but not from a like academic standpoint, obviously. Cool. Okay, I I appreciate that. Yeah. So Austin, you tell me about your week, man. How was that? Man, I had one of those weeks that like I really got tempted to get in my own head. Um, in what way? So I had. Uh, 
three estimates on Wednesday and three estimates on Saturday. And um, on Wednesday, I went three for three, or I guess like Gabe and I went three for three. I did two, he did one. We booked all three for, I think, 35K. And then on Saturday, I did them all alone. Like I did them by myself and I went 0 for 3. And it was like, you uh. just look at them and you're, but, but like the craziest, literally, I felt like it was such a good challenge. You know, I was, I was objection handling in each one of these estimates on Saturday for at least 45 minutes each. Like, so it was just like, presentation objection handle presentation objection handle so like you know over two hours of my day on saturday was just spent like fielding objections you know like acknowledging probing handling closing acknowledging probing handling closing like the entire cycle over and over again and i realized that you know when you when you really put on your your big boy boots and you try to grow a business like very aggressively you you naturally end up with this like you you kind of have this dichotomy where you're doing well relative to what you know you could be doing so like we're aggressively selling and marketing so we're we're doing well there objectively speaking like we have you know, a lot of work sold, we're prepared for a big year, it's the first year the franchise has been in operation. So there's all like the the good stuff, there's like the good side, right? That I guess is subjective, but generally speaking, like, you can kind of get the feeling that you're on pace, I guess. And then there's the other side, which is, because you're pushing your because you're being so aggressive and trying to grow your business so much, you naturally experience that like kind of BS and pushback, right? Um, from having days like that, and I realized I had not pushback. I guess it's not BS. It's just like you get like those rent, you get like those sample of really difficult closes, really difficult, really difficult uh, people to to try and sign on, right? Um, yeah. So it's like you kind of have this dichotomy all the time, where where like objectively speaking, you know your business is doing well, but at the same time, you have the opportunity to like negatively conclude from these, from these, uh, I guess, days, right? These days can, that you have. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How much do you, uh, how much do you feel good after going for three for three? Yeah, this is the thing, and I've coached this in the past. Is like if you feel <laughs> good going three for three, you have to feel bad going over three. Yeah. Because if you feel bad for going zero for three, that tells me there's just a lot of emotion involved in your sales or like the way you perceive your sales so, or your business. I wouldn't say there was a lot of emotion. I would just say I had the, op- I, that's why I said is I had the opportunity to negatively conclude about my business's ability. Like I, I'm, I'm actually quite happy with the way that I handled all of those estimates. Oh, okay, cool. But I do think that there's an opportunity for me to check my ego, right? Like, I go into those estimates thinking that there's a large probability that I can close, right? And then I don't. And I'm thinking, and then you have to think to yourself, you're like, what has this, 
narrative of large probability of closing been derived from, right? Is it because my business has done such a good job of funneling out interest and only presenting myself to people who I know are good candidates to work with. So naturally I feel good about myself. And when I go and close a job, but if I have, if I do feel good about myself when I close a job, then I, you're right. Like I am signing myself up to feel the opposite. Right. Um, but I'm just saying, I almost wanted to conclude that it would have been interesting like it would have just landed differently in my brain if I would have gone two for three and one for three. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So it's it was almost like auditing my psychology a bit and knowing like, okay, well, it's weird how my brain wants to conclude this. Because if it was repackaged and delivered to me in the same value, I would think something different. So it makes me think of like, where else am I not noticing this? Where else is stuff packaged and delivered to me that doesn't cause a concern right like yeah you, you there, see what i'm trying to say yeah there was a um sean are you okay yeah, yeah, yeah I'm i think you're so fucking you, tired <laughs> i've never yeah. seen someone yawn so times. aggressively <laughs> dude i'm not even kidding like i am so <laughs> tired no 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 it's okay you literally look like like john for people that can't see like he's literally crying <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm like, I'm like, I'm tired. I, I, um, no, no, it's good. I went to a, I went to a party last night and, um, not a big deal. Got after it, eh? Pretty hungover. Scott, what do you mean you went to a party? Hold on, on. define party. What's a party to you? There was, I don't know, maybe 16 people there. And, uh, um, there was a bar and, uh, had a menu as in you could scan your phone there was a little qr code and you could order from the guy what you wanted to drink and i was drinking something called the godfather because I, I like the name oh my God. and uh yeah it's a so mixed I drink consumed a, a pretty considerable amount of alcohol and uh, had some great <laughs> great conversations um it's kind yeah, of like it's a, the first podcast in in weekly call history where john's hung over this is amazing. no i'm actually there's no hung there's no hung over I, oh. I i was very strategic no no, oh. no no i was very strategic for every for every uh for every cocktail i had i had like two glasses of water so there was there was not mm. a lack of yeah there was not a lot there was not a hangover okay so was, um, the godfather for people that don't already know is one in a sixth ounce of or two parts amaretto and two parts whiskey scotch whiskey so that's uh that'll put you on your ass man like that's not a drink that you typically i had uh i had six of those those. okay four of those and then i had uh three gin and tonics yeah damn i would have loved to be a fly on the wall there last night no man matter of fact whose party was was it how'd you i was was at my a game i was at my a game at the end of the conversation like at the end of the night when i was most yeah i bet i was i was presenting like some super solid arguments so no. john you gotta invite me uh invite me over there i'll take it was good over to no, uh, the guy that, dude a flight actually, to Kelowna uh, we're gonna have him, we're gonna, i think we're gonna have him on the podcast bucks. no the next time he the next time this guy throws a party i'll have you guys out because he's he's an awesome guy he's he's the tech guy he rush you i want to have him on the podcast he's the guy who started up that that business and then i'm selling it like exit super you know really nice guy oh um, true yeah i remember that yeah he um super cool guy anyway but there was like i like i like talked to this guy who um was like uh, in the film industry from Winnipeg, which you would be like Winnipeg, like that's kind of a weird place. But apparently, it's like there's actually like some amazing government grants in Winnipeg, and so it's actually a, a hot spot for for small budget films. 
And so I was just kind of chit-chatting with him. And um, my lawyer was there because that's how that's how I in, was introduced to Austin. And, and they just got married. So it's just like, a, it was a fun time. It was, you know, some really good conversation. There was like this really like this 27-year-old dentist that her and I were kind of having a really like good conversation kind of near the end about um, prenups and things like that. And, and, and there was just, it was just a really interesting conversation about maternity leaves and, and kind of some of the impacts on society, you know, a potential like uh, government involvement and in, in legislating like different, I mean, I guess just laws um, of, of regarding maternity leave. So it was, it was, it was a, it was a fantastic conversation. And, um, but I, I no, but what happened was, is I didn't get to bed until about 2 AM and I had, had a commitment to do a workout at uh, 8 a.m. And, mm. um, but there was also daylight savings. So effectively I went to yes. bed at three and woke up at six or seven. So I only had Man. four hours of sleep. And then I the had a really you're intense- The fact that pretty respectable. I had a really intense workout with uh, Jared. And then him and I talked about the metaverse for two and a half hours afterwards, which was super <laughs> awesome. Cause he's like already in the metaverse. Like he's like, he, he's, he has like a, like a $2,000 like, headset a vr headset that he that he uh Jeez. like hangs out on so he's like already like in the world like he like he like goes to nightclubs and things like that like online like it's he's already in that not a um, so super cool to talk to him and then and then i watched uh the batman which was a three-hour film one of the best films i've ever seen in my entire life and then had a call with jocelyn like literally like the moment i got out of the movie theater took the call with her for 30 minutes and here i am now so i'm like super tired damn dude unreal yeah, so you, you had to chill yeah. like Friday night, Saturday too. What do you mean? Well, um, it just sounds chill. Worked out. Watched oh movie. yeah, I had a, I had a great. I honestly, I, I've been having a great time lately. I um, like I've been enjoying myself a lot and uh, still performing numbers up. Yeah. What'd you do? How much did you book this week? Um, how much did I book this week? Um. I don't know. I think like maybe like sixty or seventy thousand. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, that's crazy. Nice. Unreal. One hundred and four last week, so it's kind of just been like a, a bit of a ride. What prompted you to go to this party? Like, what was the reason to go? I was invited like months ago. So, but why'd you say yes? I um. The conversations are, are very stimulating. Like they're, they're 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 great conversations. Um, they're for the most part highly successful people. I mean, there was a twenty seven year old dentist, and my lawyer's you know one of the top at uh, one of the top law firms in in BC. Uh, Austin, you know, raised two and a half million dollars, uh, and exited. I mean, successfully sold his company. Um, there was uh, some other tech entrepreneurs there. Um, you know, it was just like it was a good group of people. You know, like they, they were very no, high quality yeah. individuals, you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind, you know, again, moderation, um, having some level of alcohol consumption, it, it can make for a pretty loose night. And then Trish and I actually had a really nice walk home. It was like maybe a 20 minute walk. And we just had like a really good, you know, kind of just sobering kind of, you know, getting that fresh air, you know, kind of just really nice. So I, I just really enjoy their company. And, uh, it's also like, not like a, um, it's not a casual party. Like it's like, it's not like you're just showing up and it's like, everyone's just there. Cause it's, it's like the best thing available. Everyone like, like one person flew in from Vancouver to go to this party. Mm. 16 like, people in this party and one of them flew in. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, I, like it was legit. Like, I mean, like he had like, there was probably like $3,000 in alcohol there. 
like because he has a full bar setup like you know like everything like any, any drink you want like you know you can scan his little app he austin can make you anything like he's, what he, he's uh why the, did he he's a, have he's a the professional party. bartender <laughs> for mm. me but why did he throw the party to get people together it's like a networking event got it okay what time yeah, did the party like a, start it's not, it's not a celebration uh, like i don't know i think we got there around eight Mm, okay yeah we left around like 1 30 or so but um some, something like that we were there for maybe three hours or so but yeah some good conversations i mean it's also one of the things that i also enjoy is um just like staying in the loop of like what's what's trendy sometimes you know and just kind of seeing because you know because i think the oldest person there was like maybe like 30 38 and and i think trisha was the youngest trisha came too um Trisha was just totally drunk. It's hilarious because <laughs> she, she had, she like had like some like like some like you know just like some easy like kind of like girly drinks at the beginning, and then she had this martini that like literally she like you, you can't you can't you couldn't even comprehend how strong this fucking thing was like like I like sm- <laughs> like I like I just I just like smelt she's like just smell it so I smelt it and I felt like I took a tequila shot like that's how strong this shit was it was nuts amazing so she was just like totally yeah. Yeah, so it was just a good time. It was a good time. Anyway, but that's why I'm basically crying because I'm just like I'm not even kidding. Like right now, if I wanted to, I could lean back and just pass out. Damn. Damn. Okay, I got you. The I commitment. You. I yeah. like it. So, um, but I wanted to be here on the podcast. Well, one I made I have made some observations because like in Toronto, you do have successful people, and you do have successful people. I guess I've always wondered because when successful people throw parties, are those parties you want to go to because they're successful? I would like, I would say it depends on I would say it depends just, on uh, why the party's being thrown. I think there's a massive difference between celebrating um, and uh, I would say indulging in one's uh, each other's presence and uh, actually going somewhere to have meaningful conversations. And I would say that everyone that was there that night was looking to have good conversations yeah there, there was there why was would effectively you no dick flexing yeah but why would you network though i i have interest in finding a young tech entrepreneur and building friendship a friendship with them because i think that it would be a nice addition to my investment portfolio to have uh to invest in tech well, to invest in a startup, yeah. Oh, you're looking for a startup to start, so you'd want to at least no, not to start, not to start. No, I, I don't want to start. To invest I'm in, just, just very potentially. But I also want to be exposed to that to that way of thinking because I, I think that I bring a unique perspective to a lot of because I would say that. Well, I don't want to make too many generalizations, but but if you look at the political views of different industries. I think that I bring a pretty unique perspective to 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 that would say like to the to, to the table and I also think that I bring a pretty interesting historical background like just because I've studied a lot of history and I would say that um I'm also just very very fascinated by the metaverse and like web web3 like I'm I'm very much interested in that and I, and I think that talking to some of these individuals that are actually like much more involved in would say with technology than I am I think it's just interesting to talk to them because they have much like just a much deeper understanding of what's actually possible and what's 
what's trendy. And it's also fascinating to talk to them because like, there's also limitations to their point of view, you know, like talking to them and having some of them say that Facebook's dead, right? And and just having them, you know, some of the, so like, there's such a, the, it's, it's, I find it fascinating because like I have such a lack of understanding in some areas and, but so do they. And so there's a, there's a, so if you like took my lattice and their lattice and you oversected them, it, it actually builds a more complete lattice. Hey guys, Austin here. Just wanted to check in mid-episode and thank you so much for your ongoing listenership and commitment to the podcast. We have some of the most enormously positive data with regards to how long our listeners listen to episodes for, meaning we can tell the vast majority of our listeners listen right from the first to the last second of the recording, which in the world of podcasting is just completely unheard of. So we wanted to just stop in here mid-episode and say, thank you for being you. You guys are absolutely awesome. Because of this overwhelmingly positive data over the last two years, we decided it would be a great idea for both us and our listeners to launch a Patreon. A Patreon is essentially a platform that you can subscribe to to get more connected with myself, John and Ammer, and the podcast as a whole. So whether you're a massive fan of the podcast and want to get direct individual coaching from myself, Ammer, or John, or want to just have early access to episodes and chip in a few dollars a month to help us take this podcast to the next level, bring on more guests and provide more value, there are tiers that are built for you, I can guarantee it. If you wanted to look into Patreon, get more information about how you could gain more value through the podcast and really augment your listening experience, you can check out our link in our Instagram at the weekly call pod on Instagram, or simply press pause on this episode, go into the show notes, click the Patreon link and check out more details about the tiers we have available there. Thanks so much guys. And thank you so much for continuing to listening to the weekly call podcast. Now back to the episode. Let's say you have to make a, a voice recording for your future self. Let's say your memory was to be wiped tonight and you have to make a voice recording that's like two minutes long that summarizes the best points that you've learned from that night so that you can use it in the future uh what would that voice note sound like Pretty loaded there's, question. There's, there's, I mean, I think that if you gave me enough time, I could maybe come up with a more thoughtful answer. But I think something along the lines of that, I think that it, it's a false notion to think that one day that you're just going to be an adult and that you're going to be grown up. I think that we're all children that get older. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what. That's what you would tell. That's it. That's the biggest, that's the only piece of information you'd well, want to keep. G- given my literally could pass out in 15 seconds, like from like finishing the sentence. Yeah, that's, that's what, that's what I came up with. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. I appreciate that. I made that observation, um, multiple times before and, uh, mm-hmm. it hit me hard. It hit me hard when I was like, started going door to door and seeing how people mm-hmm. react at the door. I'm like, yo, these yep. are just kids with houses. Yeah. And I was like, this yeah. is crazy. No, no, that's, no, that, you know, it is. They are kids with houses. <laughs> they are. <laughs> 
Um, in, in like in traffic when I started driving, like these are yeah. kids with cars. Like, why are you giving me the finger? It's my right well, away. Like, why are you so it, yeah. angry? No, it, it's very fascinating when you think about it that way. Um, that's that's why I find babies so just fascinating because every time I see a baby, I'm always like, fuck, man. Like we like 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 we were all that, you know? Like it. it, it I know. It, it just instantly put things puts things into perspective. But yeah, I know. I mean, the, the the realization that like that like. Because I, I don't know about you guys, but like I tend to look at people that are older than me as adults. And it's kind of always been like, you know, elder kind of thing. And it, it's kind of interesting because it's like, I, I feel like a child that's like, like, I don't know, like, like almost like an imposter syndrome to some degree. It's like, it's kind of sometimes hard to believe that like, oh, like I just have access to these resources and, and I'm running this business. And it's like, I don't, I don't necessarily always feel worthy in the sense that like, I still feel like I'm like a child, you know? And I feel like it's pretty interesting to, to, to come to the realization that like, it's such an arbitrary thing. Like you, you, I mean, effectively, as long as you have the willpower and the determination, I mean, effectively you can do anything you want and, you know, within the realm of realism, but, um, but like the, the, this concept of like child or adult is just irrelevant. Like it's like, there's no entitlement that just because you're quote unquote, an adult that you actually know something or that you can achieve anything like you, we all have some somewhat of an equal opportunity in that sense. Yeah, I like it. Um, I was uh, doing some reading, and I made some highlights that I wanted to share with you guys. But before I want to go there, I just want to see if you guys wanted to share anything else about the week. This is one thing I wanted to share that I discovered this week that I think would be fascinating to uh, just share. We don't even have to talk about it, but there's some powerful, I, uh, powerful shit. I uh, decided that I would set it. I set up some quotes this week, um, not necessarily on purpose, but somewhat on purpose, where I was going to just just for shits and giggles, just give myself an endless amount of time to do some of these quotes. So like, like I set one up, for example, like 4pm on a Saturday, knowing that like, I would have like literally three hours if I wanted to to do the quote. And I show up and I'm like, chit chit chatting with the guy and you know just totally hitting it off with him and like almost like flirting with him a little bit like he was a he was a homosexual and like i'm like i can totally like i i can like i can bring myself down to like a 55 45 if i need to like i him and i just and 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 so him and i like chatted for like literally two and a half hours i had like i had a beer with him like i don't even drink beer and he's like do you want a beer and i'm like sure so i like had a stella artois with him and we just like chit chatted for two and a half hours and just totally hit it off. And then like near the end, he's like, you know, we were just like, it was just amazing, right? And it was just this fun time. He totally, it was like a nine thousand dollar booking. It was like clearly in the bag because I just built so much rapport with him and and like really helped him understand like what he was actually paying for. But it was a fun time, right? And it's and it was kind of a nice change of pace of like rather than like rushing through a forty five minute estimate, but like I like gave myself enough time that I could sort of you know kind of see the you know see you know. Uh, see things from your side, like see how you live, you know? So. Are you talking about to Austin? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Cool. Yeah. It's not bad. I don't mind it. I would say my estimates don't typically like my estimates go like hour. I'd say hour 30, hour 45. Oh no, I definitely indulged in it. Like, I mean, I definitely could have ended yeah, yeah, like an yeah. hour early if I wanted to. Yeah. 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 Yeah, like uh, I, I don't know. I just really like to get to know the person. I like no, to sell it, me. I like to sell me and the company. And yeah, no, I think that's. Uh, well, I'm. I'm. You know what, John? I'm grateful that you tried it. I'm grateful that you tried it. And um, could you? I guess could you see yourself? 
changing your current 45 minute strategy by any means or you want to stick to that because you find it effective yeah i mean i mean for me it's like it's like less about like what color the cat is but just whether or not it kills mice so you know if the 45 minute thing works then i'm going to continue yeah yeah for sure but um Mm. but but i just wanted to kind of just see like did i have that capability of like sitting there and holding a conversation with someone for two and a half hours and and it was it was actually it was it was it was it was well, a fun you do experience. it you do it with us every week so yeah well for sure but either way it was a fun experience and i actually did it a few times this week like i was able to kind of like really you know have a couple couple estimates where i really built a lot of rapport like it was, yeah it's good so, yeah. Yeah. nice Okay, uh, Amr, you were gonna uh, read off some some quotes. So yeah. do you want to like do you want to like maybe read one and we can kind of discuss it a little bit? Hundred percent, hundred percent. This is like a uh, yeah. I'll just let the the, the words speak for themselves. Uh, which so, uh, which book is this from? Yeah, so I'll tell you that in a second here. So the the book that I'm drawing from is called amusing ourselves to death by Neil Postman. Um, Okay, so I'm just drawing. Let me just pick this quote. John's way faster at doing this than I am. So bear with me. Yeah, there you go. Oh, you guys are going to love this. We were keeping our eye on 1984. When the year came and the prophecy didn't, thoughtful Americans sang softly in praise of themselves. The roots of liberal democracy had held. Wherever else the terror had happened, we at least had not been visited by Orwellian nightmares. But we had forgotten that alongside Orwell's dark vision, there was another slightly older, slightly less well-known, equally chilling, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Contrary to common belief, even among the educated, Huxley and Orwell did not prophesize the same thing. Orwell warns that we will be overcome by an externally imposed oppression. Huxley. Huxley's vision says that there's no big brother required to deprive people of their autonomy. No big brother is required to deprive people of their autonomy, maturity, and history. As he saw it, people will come to love their oppression, to adore the technologies that undo their capacities to think. What Orwell feared were those who would ban books. What Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book, for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Orwell feared that those who would deprive us of information. Huxwell feared feared those who would give us so much information that we would be reduced to passivity Passivity, just being passive, and egoism. Orwell feared that the truth will be concealed from us. Huxley feared 
that the truth would be drowned in a sea of irrelevance. Orwell feared that we would become a captive culture. Huxley feared we would become a trivial culture. Preoccupied with some equivalent of the feelies, the orgy-porgy, and the centrifugal bumble-poppy. As Huxley remarked in Brave New World Revisited, the civil libertarians and rationalists who are ever on alert to oppose tyranny fail to take into account man's almost infinite appetite for distractions. In 1984, Huxley added, People are controlled by inflicting pain. In Brave New World, they are controlled by inflicting pleasure. In short, Orwell feared that what we hate will ruin us. Huxley feared that what we love will ruin us. God damn. I I read that quote 10 times. Yeah, I I might need to read it nine more to get an idea. And I was I was even planning to create a chart of what Orwell predicted and what Huxley pre- like predicted mm-hmm. would happen to put them side by side. But then you wonder, you wonder why like for example, like when when, when John and I one of our the things that we clicked on when we first met was our love for philosophy and stoic philosophy. And Stoic philosophy is constantly brought up on this podcast because it's so damn popular um, among like what people like to hear. Well, if you think about it, Stoicism is the is the sort of kind of antidote to what Huxley was talking about. To read, to have the love for knowledge, to not pursue pleasure. And Huxley just just sniped. Sniped it, and it's just goddamn fascinating, man. I don't know. Yeah, because I used to be like, oh, you know, this is very Orwellian. You know, you'd watch the Social Dilemma and be like, oh, you know, maybe this is a little bit Orwellian. No, no, no. Huxley put it better. Huxley was was, was explaining those things and mm-hmm. that you. Well, just I mean, heard. the story is not over yet, but it is not. Right. Yeah, maybe it, it maybe also depends we, on it also depends on who you are and you're reading it. I mean, if you were reading that in China, I think that you might be <laughs> you know, I think that you might relate more to the uh, Orwell. Yeah. Heck, maybe Orwell is what happens after we're so distracted by pleasure and information that before we know it, we look over our shoulder and it's like, "Oh, oh shit." Like, "Oh, I guess I can't like the giving up the autonomy, the giving up the autonomy part makes total sense. I mean, because and it, it doesn't really seem like that revolutionary. I mean, in hindsight, it doesn't seem like one, but um, because because we have a democracy. Like, when was that written? Just out of curiosity, do you know? Huxley's? Or well, not when that was written. Sorry, when, when yeah, when was uh, I don't when was Huxley around? Man, Austin, can you give me a Google search? But nonetheless, yeah. um, Huxley's Brave New World release date. But nonetheless, because we have a democracy, the temptation for a welfare, well, like a like a 
democratic 1932 well perfect literally 1932 so right kind of like right kind of like on the later like you know kind of you know close to the bottom of the great depression pretty interesting that's crazy um, bro that he he's saying this shit a hundred almost a hundred years ago well it makes sense if you think about it i mean he was, pro- he was probably writing that book during the 20s and saw the excess but but nonetheless yeah at, at that time that makes perfect sense um the, the temptation in a democracy to to develop a massive welfare state seem, it, it just it seems like it's unavoidable and it, and it seems like you know, people get willing to give up their autonomy to further their own agenda. It seems seems inevitable. Yeah. Awesome. What did you two take away? Well, I do think that both of those still exist. And both, right? like, yeah. I think that there's like the 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 pleasure and pain really made me realize how I think these these two views, these two perspectives coexist because what causes you pain can kill you and what causes you pleasure can also kill you and and those things could also be the same thing. So I don't know if you can fully adopt one over the other. I think they I think they actually coexist. It's like the yin and yang of a certain yeah. type of category. Yeah. 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 I'm using ourselves to death. That's one of the things. Um, well, yeah, I think one is maybe a little bit more of a new threat, I guess, so to speak, right? Like what causes you pleasure now is more of a threat than it used to be. Yeah. I have another short one here. Okay, let's go. For Las Vegas is a city entirely devoted to the idea of entertainment. And such proclaims the spirit of a culture in which all public discourse increasingly takes the form of entertainment. Our politics, religion, news, athletics, education, and commerce have been transformed into a congenial adjuncts of show business, largely without protest or even much popular notice. The result is that we are people on the verge of amusing ourselves to death. Yeah. And he's sight. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, go ahead. Well, it's interesting if you think about it because if you, if if you, you know, you have like, it's like, why is stoic philosophy not playing through the speakers of my (laughs) office? Right. It's fucking boring. Right. Yeah. You know, but meanwhile, Selena Gomez, you know, she's just on repeat up there. Right. So, you know, it, so it seems like, you know, the strategy to attract people's attention through entertainment, it, it pays off when, when, you're, when you're trying to sell. Like stoicism is just a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, right? Or like, or, it or is, like, it is. Yeah, like it's just, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 a, it's a big leap, you know, because, you know, given the choice between watching you know football on sunday or you know reading a book that's going to further your career right i you know um now in saying that though i don't know if i buy the premise that we're amusing ourselves to death 
Gotcha. Okay, that's fair. Because um, hunter hunter gatherer societies actually worked. At least most of the research shows that mo- mo- most hunter gatherer societies actually worked less than uh, agricultural societies. They spent more. Time oh yeah, than yeah, yeah. Yeah. So wait, in leisure? Yeah. Hunter gatherers. Yeah, like the the uh, uh, king in Africa, they only maybe like worked on average four to five hours a, a day. There's an excellent book called Stone Age Economics, and it basically just it just goes through that. Yeah, like like hunter gatherer societies for, for the most part would spend more time in leisure than agricultural societies spent working. That's interesting. I didn't know that. And, that. and 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 then he even goes even further, and it's kind of like a pretty interesting spin. But you know, did did humans domesticate plants, or did plants domesticate humans? Yeah, I, I think I heard that once before, which is a pretty interesting one. But but nonetheless, <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I buy the whole argument that just because people are seeking pleasure, like they always have been, that um, that we're going to amuse ourselves to death. I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know if I buy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If anything, we might. I don't think he's. Be, I don't if th- anything, we might actually just be returning to a more natural state. Well, he definitely wouldn't call it natural. One of the arguments he gives about is about the uh, how our language mm-hmm. has trans has like moved from mostly like words and written to like videos and media, and um, which makes sense because again, prior to written language which was invented by humans all we had was face-to-face face-to-face interaction so it makes sense that we would revert to a form that's closer to like text is more far removed from face-to-face interaction than video is it makes perfect sense that what we're moving towards is the metaverse if you look at digital represent digital representations of, of 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 the physical world it started with effectively some 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 sort of like really i mean i mean if you look at like maybe like the first the first digital world was maybe hieroglyphs. You know, the, the Egyptians maybe had like the first metaverse, you know, <laughs> where they like mm-hmm. would like take a stone tablet and like, you know, draw on that. Right. And then from there, you obviously Gutenberg press. And, and so then from there, that was a big thing because you could write down human thoughts and, and it was inexpensive, right? Because prior to the Gutenberg press, I mean, effectively the Bible had a monopoly on books which is pretty fucking crazy if you think about that. Like the Bible had a monopoly on knowledge. Yeah, like or did. written written knowledge for a long time. And so from there then you you know people's ideas can expand, right? Uh and and be put on a paper. And so then that's like a a representation of that because now you can learn from the dead much easier. And it can but either way, and then and then from there tell you know telegraph, well Morse code telegraph um, telephone, radio, TV, um, internet, different versions of the internet, and and then now maybe a metaverse. So it's if anything, I mean, we're actually moving closer to what maybe we once had. So I I I don't I don't know. I mean, I think that you could argue just as easily the other way around. Yeah, the, just the just actually. Just the death part. Just the death part, yeah. We could be, he, he we actually, could be amusing ourselves to our more natural state. Yeah. 
He, he, by the way, in the book, makes an argument against going away from text. Um, what do you mean? So he, here's a quote. I refer specifically to the Decalogue, the second commandment of which prohibits the Israelites from making concrete images of anything. And I quote, Thou shall not make unto thee any graven image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is what is in the earth beneath, or that is when what in the water beneath the earth. I wondered then, as so many others have, as to why the God of these people would have included instructions on in how they were to symbolize or not symbolize their experience. And um, he then refers to Plato, who makes the argument that philosophy uh, m- must be put in text, because otherwise uh, you can't study it. You can't well, tear it apart. You what's can't most fascinating it. about that is that the Stoics disagrees wholeheartedly about, with that. Because the greatest Stoics actually did not write anything because they didn't view philosophy as something to um, study, but rather something to live. And the Stoics would disagree with that statement completely. The Plato? Yeah, well, the Stoics viewed philosophy as a, as a way of living, not as a way of sp- speaking or a way, you know, like it wasn't, mm. they were opposed to philosophizing. Right. I mean, the mm. greatest Stoic text was accidental, like in the sense it was a diary that just it, happened it really to pass was. along. And Seneca wrote letters to a friend, like, you know, and then Epictetus, I mean, his was was lectures that were then like transcribed by someone that he, you know, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know if I buy that either. But it makes sense that if you were trying to hold your monopoly that you wouldn't want people replicating anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, he says it's clear that phonetic writing created a new conception of knowledge and all of which Plato recognized at an early stage of its development text. And he quotes, no man of intelligence, he wrote in the seventh letter, will venture, will venture to express his philosophical views in language especially not in language that is unchangeable, which is true of that, which is set down in written characters. So he says like against that, that actually like speaks to you, but then, but then he expands saying that philosophy cannot exist without criticism and writing makes it possible and convenient to subject through to a continuous and concentrated scrutiny. Writing freezes speech and in so gives birth to the grammarian the logician, the, rhetor- the, 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 the historian, the scientist, all of which must hold language before them so that they can see what it means. Plato knew all of this, which means that he knew that writing would bring about a perceptual revolution, a shift from the ear to the eye as the organ of language processing. Yeah. Plato insisted that his students study geometry before entering his academy. If true, it was a sound idea for the great literary critic Northrop Frye has remarked, the written word is far more powerful than simply a reminder. It recreates the past and the present and gives us not the familiar, remembered thing, but the glittering intensity of that summoned upon hallucination. So I think this would be a good book. Uh, like to, um, there's a lot in it, and it goes different places, and it even like investigates. Uh, there's another. Yeah, for, first of all, what, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Because I can, I can go, there's another quote on time that goes a different path from amusing ourselves to death. 
and more about like how our language can create our reality, which is pretty fascinating. But Austin, I know you haven't been quiet. Where, where, where are you at with all of this so far? I don't know if this is some stuff that you find interesting. I'm honestly just enjoying the conversation between you and John. I would be oh, interested okay. to hear the conversation on or the quote on time. Gotcha. John, is this stuff interesting you? Or well, of you course find it's it interesting, re- yeah. Re- oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so, yeah, get, get a load of this. So this is this is regarding time and how it's created. Yeah, look, look at this. So Lewis Mumford, for example, has been one of our great noticers. He is not the sort of man who looks at a clock merely to see what time is or what time it is. Not that he lacks interest in the content of clocks which is of concern to everyone from moment to moment. But he's far more interested in how a clock creates the idea of moment to moment. He attends to the philosophy of clocks. Two clocks as metaphor, about which our education has little to say, and clockmakers nothing at all. The clock, Mumford has concluded, is a piece of power machinery whose product is seconds and minutes. In manufacturing such a product, the clock has the effect of dissociating time from human events and thus nourishes the belief in an independent world of mathematically measurable sequences. Moment to moment, it turns out, is not God's conception or nature's. It is man conversing with himself about and through a piece of machinery he created. In Mumford's great book, Technics and Civilization, he shows how beginning in the 14th century, the clock made us into time keepers, then time savers, and now time servers. And in the process, we have learned irrelevance towards the sun and seasons. For in a world made up of seconds and minutes, the authority of nature is superseded. Indeed, as Mumford points out, with the invention of the clock, eternity ceased to serve as the measure and focus of human events. And thus, though few would have imagined the connection, the ticking of the clock may have had to do more with the weakening of God's supremacy than all of the treatises produced by the philosophers of the Enlightenment. That is to say, the, the yes, clock introduced a new form of conversion and yeah. conversation between man and God, in which God appears to have been the loser. Yeah, can I explain perhaps, that? Actually, a little bit? Yeah, yeah, perhaps Moses should have included another commandment. Thou shall not make mechanical representations of time. Wow. Yeah, so... Crazy, yeah. man. Well, so it's interesting when you think about like how how humans thought patterns have have changed uh, over time. Um, so like early. So before before the invention of the clock, uh, humans would think in much more cyclical uh, fashions. Yes. Because yes, because there was the cycle like so like there was the cycle of a day. And then, of course, there was then the cycle of each season, right? And then, and then this, you know, the cycle of the year. And then there would be, you know, and so if you look at like a lot of like old calendars or like even the Mayan calendar, 
or even just how people lived their life, it was all in cycles, right? Time was a loop, right? So whereas with the invention of the clock, time became much more linear, right? Yeah. And and so that that obviously changes people because it becomes pretty ridiculous to pray to pray to God when you plant your seeds, when you just understand that, oh, okay, like there's going to be multiple years. Like I, I, if I plant seeds now, I don't, I don't, I, I, there's, I, I don't need to pray anymore. Like there's, there's no, there's no luck aspect to this. Like, I just know that during this year or this time of the year, if I plant seeds, okay, I'll be like, I'll, I'll be able to reap a reward later. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I find that, I find that really interesting. Yeah. And he raises that because the medium in which we exchange information changes our reality of the world. And his, one of the arguments he makes in the book is that but when we start moving to medias and mediums that just particularly are incentivized to entertain us, such as like the news and like the TV. And he talks about how you'll never, for some reason, it seems like even though it's never stated in the, uh, in, in, uh, uh, the amendment of the United States, uh, we, we find that there's no fat politicians or bald politicians or not good looking politicians anymore. It seems like everybody's just kind of like TV ready. And um, it just makes the argument that if we would start to rely on the medium of TV, social media uh, too heavily, the way we interact and perceive the world will completely change everything, just like how the clock will have changed the way we perceive the world. So, John, I think well, I would I, 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 again. Book, I, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't look too deeply into what you just said, though. Uh, into the there's no fat politicians. Um, I, I, I would say that it's probably pretty infrequent. I mean, other than maybe some some agricultural societies in in like. Again, it's like the—I know it's a kind of a stereotype, but the tall, good-looking male. Yeah, like that. It's a stereotype, but there's a reason why he performs typically better. Yeah, but he—he—he counter—he kind of argues with. He would say to you, "Well, John, look at the time before TV was invented. We actually had a lot of fat." ugly presidents yeah I, but again we, we would I, hear from be, them through the news and the radio yeah but maybe i, I the, the issue with that is that if you look at diets okay they're like i mean basically all of the eastern united states would not eat vegetables for six months of the year they would only have like donuts like candy and like basically like bread so like I, I don't know like I you know what I mean like when like when when Teddy Roosevelt was president they like, diets were horrible so I don't and, and exercise didn't really exist and people there was something like four hundred billion cigarettes produced in nineteen fifty like and and yeah, exercise was like, at an all time high obesity is literally at an all time high though John even though we have access I, to all this so even stuff. though interesting enough just like all things uh, there's an inequality of health so um. Yes, yes, it's the case that there's more obesity, but there's also significantly much more fit people. Like people are much like so. As a society, I'm not sure, but 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 there there wasn't a lot. Like it wasn't common for for the average person to be ex extremely fit seventy years ago, other than the fact that they did physical labor. But they weren't like they weren't like super healthy people. I mean, the life expectancy wasn't exactly fantastic, right? And diets were horrible. People smoked. It was not like it was not like, you know, it wasn't like you can't paint this image of like 
oh, people are so fat nowadays. It's like people weren't in the best shape, period, for the last like long time. I mean, if there was any kind of fitness, it was merely just due to how physically active people are. But nowadays, I would say that there's there's incredibly fit people like we've never seen before ever in human history. No, no, I agree. And I agree with that first statement that you you, you started with, with. Let's not look at this too deeply. Because the, the yeah. whole point he was making is it, it's almost impossible now to see a very successful politician who is bald or fat, mostly because the main media that we're communicating with right now is visual. And that's not very a visual. It's no, just but, like not as... I, would, I would I would argue that that I don't know if you like, I, I don't know if you can make that conclusion. Because. I mean, if, if I was to go through like all the presidents that I can think of, they were typically reasonably tall white males. Like Abraham Lincoln was a tall, good, you know, reasonably good looking guy, right? Uh, Roosevelt was, I mean, he, he, that's an interesting example because he was a cripple and I don't know if that would be possible nowadays. Right. So then, you know, there's maybe an example that would kind of support his argument, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it, if you like, if you were like marching to a city, like and you had to give a speech, like a political speech, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if t- TV has really made that any more important than it was previously. Yeah, I think based on what you're doing and your investments in meta and tech, I think it might be interesting to to read the other side, because this guy this guy is, is is against. He would he, if he was like your friend, um, he would be like John. It's irresponsible of you to invest in meta. So it will be pretty in, like if you that's what I want to say. If you can read this guy's book and still be able to walk away with with your investment in meta then it's just like i don't know i think it's uh an interesting exercise because this guy is against he would be against meta so i'm using ourselves to death i think that would be a good challenge like if i was in your position that would be pretty damn challenging it's kind of like me reading or listening to sam harris you know calling and the, the elimination and eradication of Islam. Well, I mean, I've read, many, challenge. I've, read, I've read many books on the opposing side. I mean, I, I would say that I spent, uh, mo- okay. I would say that I spent most of my reading career only reading books about the opposite side. It was only until recently that I actually even considered that there was an opposing view. Like I, I was talking about this oh, with Trisha. I, w- I was talking yeah. with Trisha. One of the things that I find so fascinating right now is, is I, and in my opinion, almost a bit of a scapegoating towards social media. Like you look at some of the issues that we're that we're facing in society, and I find it so fascinating that even just the notion that, like, so like the, like if you look at the social dilemma, like the the, the documentary that came out, um, I mean, effectively the their argument is that it's in it's in Facebook's best interest to have people watch um, videos as long as possible. And the videos that that get the most engagement, the content that gets the most engagement is negative posts. And yeah, but that was just a completely false fact. Like that was just completely false. Like Zuck was able to like pretty seriously. Yeah, but remove that myth. Like that's just not true. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But but I think that if you were to just ask a bunch of random people off the street, do you think that social media is responsible for anxiety and depression in society? I think most people would say yes. And 
even just questioning that, like not even actually arguing against it, but actually just asking them to support that. It actually, I think to, like from the people that I've spoken to about it, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like in the same way that if you were to like question whether or not smoking causes cancer, like someone would be like, what? Like, dude, I don't need to defend myself on that. Like, of course it does. Right. Yeah. Like it people seems have like taken it's been, it too... it seems like for most people, the case is settled that, that that's just the case. Right. And, 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 and I find that really fascinating because I, I fell into that same camp where I'm like, oh yeah, it's like, this is totally the case. And then it's like, oh, what's the actual arguments for that? Like, like it, there's so many things that it could be <laughs> other than other than this one thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. Totally. I, I'd like if I was to make the argument, like as a guy who's now like off social media, the reason I'm off social media is because it's easy to fall into my indulgences on social media. Social yeah. media is just like because it's like a tool. I'm yet I feel unprepared to re-download my social media apps, knowing myself. So. I see what you mean, John. It's like, yeah, I guess like social media can cause increased uh, uh, maybe anxiety, but it's it could be just uh, magnifying well, somebody's maybe lack of lack of ability to manage yeah, but, stress but, or, Amber, or, me or out, having me out. bad relationships. That's I think that's just, yeah, but just magnifies. Um, humans that were anxious of their social standing probably did better than ones that weren't. Like people that just like had no concern over their like their placement within a hierarchy like like we, the humans that we are today are the humans that were the most paranoid about fucking surviving like we, we like we cared about where we were in the social hierarchy right survival totally. of the fittest kind of argument right well so i i don't buy this argument that social media is all of a sudden responsible for people's anxiety of how whether or not their friends like them i think that's been a fucking concern since literally adam and eve like i bet i bet eve's first fucking thought was oh, do you think he's do you think he thinks my fat my ass is fat and then meanwhile <laughs> adam was like dude like is my dick small like that's probably like the first thoughts that they had <laughs> right so they like i mean you know like it, it wasn't it, i don't it, know about probably but i'm just saying i know what you mean i know what you mean jealousy yeah, envy yeah, it's and, and all I'm, that is just I'm it's in us very loose with yeah, my yeah, 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 but yeah, i'm just yeah, but yeah, hear yeah, me yeah, out yeah, in, yeah. in saying that to, to have this idea that humans all of a sudden are anxious and, and and depressed it's like guys get fucking on with it like it's like that's not at all like it, depression and anxiety have been around since the beginning of time like this is not a new phenomenon right um but if anything i mean you could argue that maybe social media has mul like multiplied that to some degree because, yes that's what i mean it's yeah, kind of like a multiple yeah. it's it's just the gas on the on the fire the fire was already there yeah I, I, although i can it, think it just back magnified to a time, i can think back to a time like in in like high school or middle school or even element even i mean for me i to go back to a time where there actually was no existence of social media i have to go back to elementary school and I was, of course, anxious of whether or not my friends liked me or not. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah everyone was, though. Like, okay. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, like, they're, like I, females, when I was in elementary school, were hyper-concerned about whether or not they were attractive. Like, that was a thing. You know, like, middle school. Like, like I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's a, this is such a recent phenomenon, like it's being pitched. Right. Oh, that, is that how you feel it's being pitched? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Gotcha. Do, do you don't think that's how it's being pitched? 
Um, I'm not sure. Like I, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't I haven't had that conversation with, with people. Because to minimize your like time I'm... crunch on something, that's that's like for example, like I don't not watch NFL Sunday because I think it's going to ruin my life from an emotional or psychological standpoint. I don't watch NFL Sunday because I don't want to invest my time watching football. <laughs> right? You yeah. see the difference there? It's like I don't know how many people when they think about oh I'm not going to use social media more. How many people are doing it because they just they actually want to just allocate their time differently? That's probably the that's probably why they're actually doing it. But I think what it's being labeled as is that they're doing it as a mental health thing. And it's like I mean, I guess you're doing it in a mental health thing as in improving your life as in like, you know, achieving your goals further. But a lot of people's goals could actually be on social media. So then that doesn't really work for them. <laughs> right? I don't know. So I just... I see what you mean. Yeah, you know what I your mean? Your like, criticism I, I, yeah. your criticism is the unfair attack on social media. No, I'm, when, I'm not even when, actually... Hold it, on, when, but that's like the, the thing. Hold on. I'm not even actually necessarily saying that it's unfair. And I don't... And, and, and as much as it seems like I all of a sudden have a horse in the race, I really don't. In the sense that tobacco companies have been a fantastic investment regardless of whether or not they were actually causing cancer okay like what firearms have been a fantastic investment whether or not you agree with the fact that they should be banned okay so i don't actually have as much of a horse in the race as one would maybe possibly think right like i'm actually i'm actually indifferent i mean obviously i would have some some preference just from a human standpoint that hopefully social media isn't actually this detrimental thing to society right but i think that what we're actually talking about is just people's lack of moderation and uh and they're just their allocation of time i don't buy the argument that social media is causing depression and anxiety i i think that people's fear of where they are in a hierarchy has been highlighted and you could argue that social media has maybe changed the level of the hierarchy so you know pre- previous to social media your hierarchy was like your local town, right? So there was like one chick who had like the, you know, like the nice, like large breasts and she was like significantly hotter than every other chick and she was the chick, right? Well, now that chick is maybe more anxious because now she's not the hottest chick in her town because like she might have like some nice breasts, but then some guy on Instagram is like, yeah, but do this, like I can just scroll and I can just see a tons of breasts. Like you're not, you're not special. Like she's no longer scarce anymore, right? Um, so in a lot of ways, the hierarchies have just changed dramatically, right? Like, so, you know, it didn't used to be, before it didn't be the case, it wasn't the case that you would be comparing yourself to a businessman in Cleveland if you were a businessman in New York because it was just two different social circles, right? Like you you could maybe go months without hearing anything about Cleveland, right? That's interesting. That's kind of the, uh, I was telling, I was telling this to my barber. My barber owns the barbershop in multiple locations, so... Um, he's the he's the owner himself, and I always tease him for giving me haircuts. I'm like, you should be you should get off the get off the clippers. You know, I usually say get off the tools, but you know, this guy should get off the clippers. But um, his argument was that actually, John, he's like he he likes social media because he can tap into other social circles that he wouldn't have direct access to. Yeah, and that's that's I I I think that I think that um, but so but ultimately this comes down to you know, um, again, situational, right? I think that for a lot of people, I think that the argument for them using social media is very strong, actually. Um, I think that there's a lot of people that um, don't actually have a lot of social interaction in their own personal life. Um, And social media gives them a fantastic way of actually um, developing communities, right? That they wouldn't never wouldn't normally have uh, access to, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at I agree, man, I mean, effectively, 
the only way that I interact with other investors is in the digital world, right? I don't, I don't have, there's no other investors in Kelowna that I meet up with, right? And it would be kind of a hassle if, to be honest, I was tied to only having an investment group in Kelowna, right? It's very convenient that I'm able to do it through like a, like a, like a WhatsApp group or a Slack channel, right? Like it's, 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 it is fantastically convenient, right? Yeah. Mm. You have Slack? No, but I know that's popular with people. No, I don't have Slack, but I have like a, yeah. I have like a, there's a, like, there's Discord? Like a, 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 there's a group chat that I'm a part of. And then there's also like a, you, you could call it social it media for investors effectively, but it's called Seeking Alpha. And it's, you know, Seeking it's, Alpha. Yeah. it's, I would say it's social media for investors. I got you. That's it's all cool. user, it's all that's user created cool. content. And it has a feed just like you would if you were, you know, it's just rather than watching cat videos, I'm just, you know, getting people's opinions and, you know, sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. And, you know, you have to filter out, you know, the people you don't want to listen to and you can follow the ones you do. And, you know, it's, you know, just like anything else in real life. I mean, if, you know, if you go to a bar and someone starts chatting with you and, you know, he's a complete fucking drunken fool, you're like, oh, fuck, man, like, why is this guy in my face? Right. Well, the same way that if you, you know, you're scrolling through a feed and you get like a, you know, some guy who's ranting, you're like, okay, I don't fucking, I'm just going to ignore that guy, right? So yeah. it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. See, see less of this content. Yeah. I mean, fools are I everywhere. Always, right? I used to always You're not going to avoid them just, you know, just because you're like, it's like this, this notion that you're like, like, I, like, you know, it's like, again, I mean, it's, you know, obviously the comment boards are pretty aggressive, but I've had some pretty, fa- I have to, I've had some family gatherings where people say some stupid shit that I'm like, what? Like, fuck you, what did you just say? You know? So, you know, it's, it's all the same shit. It's all the same shit. <laughs> yeah, I like it. There was a connection that I made earlier. This is off topic, but do you feel that was well concluded there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I made a connection the other day between the contracting industry and something Warren Buffett has said about the stock market. And I wanted to just kick, kind of get you guys on it. Okay. Um, he says that, you know, in the short term, the market is a voting machine. And in the long term, it's a weighing machine. Oh, yeah. And I made the, ob- and I made the observation that I, a, lot hmm. of, um, a lot of guys who are in the contracting industry who yeah. don't have the business, business skill yeah. sets in the short term are getting slaughtered. Yeah. Because people are not voting for their bid or for them as a professional. And so they're losing in the short term. And if you're lucky, because, you know, this is just like just the case, like if you're lucky and you make it in the long term, five to seven years, your reputation starts filling your schedule up and you start booking jobs. And because the market is weighing you as a better contractor. So over the past two years, I've observed people in both sides of the industry, ones that have been weighed by the market due to their reputation and ones that have been completely consistently voted out of the market because of their inability to sell themselves. And I find that just like an interesting observation. I'm like that heuristic, I think also applies to the contracting industry not just to the stock market. Yeah, I mean, one would argue that when Warren Buffett was talking about was actually the trades business or any business that exists, right? Because the stock market is actually just a series of ownership stakes yes. in businesses so it you know one yeah. would argue that it, that is exactly what he actually meant but yeah it's so cool yeah i made that connection i'm like yo that's crazy like that was a crazy like i felt like really good about making that connection yeah um and i'm gonna include that in one of my ads what's interesting too is that uh you know back to uh austin's predicament over you know his you know three for three zero for three day 
you know, ultimately as well, right? I mean, you know, the law of averages kind of thing, but but there's also a bit of like a, a um, you know, the day-to-day stock price will kind of be pretty quite volatile. But ultimately, mm. you know, if you're if you're following a successful strategy, you would hope that your the, the company would would show value in, in the market. Over time, yeah. yeah, and and similar to like you know your sales strategy, you know, it, it can be relatively volatile, right? Like you know, um, especially ours because we actually seek no's, right? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, right so like a lot of contractors maybe like would maybe get six maybes because because that's one thing that you don't actually consider because austin when you said you went six, three for three and zero for three that's true eh? you're only talking about yes or no's right that's actually a good yeah uh, so you know, imagine if you were in a world my mind of six maybes <laughs> so who, bad no, who feels no but who no but who but who would no, feel no, no. best the guy who goes three for three zero for three the guy who goes uh six i guess maybes. the six maybes or the, no maybe Hey, right i don't yeah. know but but i know that like sometimes you do a quote and because you didn't get a no you're like oh there's a chance right but then you know it's like no it's you know, come on man like you know it's pending like it's you know but um yeah hope is but not that's, a strategy. But that's yeah yeah hoping hopium mm. but that's the uh but that's the that's the weighing machine in the long run right i mean you know hopium i've never heard that high on hopium yeah. i heard copium copium, copium is a better one <laughs> hopium Okay, okay. No, no, no the one I heard is copium. Somebody's trying copium. to cope with like a loss or like they're trying to. Mm. That's oh, that's the okay. one I've I've known I've, I've heard before. And it's but, like, this guy's trying to cope. It's like you know you're bad at this game. It's like no, you're bad. Someone's yeah, like copium. The same way that there could be like a bad company that you know uh, has no profits but could be valued at some ridiculous you know some ridiculous value valuation in the market. A, a, a good uh, you know a shitty salesman or, or, or a shitty company rather could maybe outsell you in the short run but you know in the long run you know if you're a good company and you ultimately are selling yeah. a good product i think that you will ultimately way out but there's also some like fugaziness to that argument as well because it's like you know um i don't necessarily buy that the highest because this is another kind of i think fallacy is that the 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 highest quality product um is the is going to uh uh be the most valuable right yeah no well you gotta like, know how to sell it too yes you no know, but 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 even more so is that it's also what you're selling um uh in in the value proposition that you're that you're pitching to the person so like you can sell someone a cheap product and it, and it be fairly priced Like there's there's certain demographics in Kelowna that I avoid because I don't sell the product that they're looking for. Right. And so when when I go to a high demographic neighborhood and they book with the guy who's uh, like a really shitty contractor, and they were trying to hire me, I feel like I did them a disservice because of course, oh, like this person's just confused, like they hired the wrong guy, and I just didn't I didn't do a good enough job of actually helping them make that the proper decision, right? Because they I, I you know they were looking for the high quality guy, they hired the low quality guy, right? But you could also go to a low demographic neighborhood where it would actually, I would be doing them a disservice if I convinced them to book me with me at a higher price because I'm not, they're not looking for me. They're not looking for a good quality job that's going to last. They're looking for the guy who's going to just slap it on, right? Like, they, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm finding that um, like the area that my business operates in is five times bigger than my painting turf but it also includes my original painting turf so it's like that region and then all of its surrounding area so it's like the entire gatineau side of the ottawa gatineau border 
And so we're targeting markets or I guess neighborhoods that largely need roof replacements. But we're also finding out that neighborhoods that largely need roof replacements that are fairly obvious to spot are actually harder to close. (laughs) When you're like, you're looking at this and you're like, okay, but you all need roofs though. Dude, dude. Your roof will literally leak. Dude, Dude, I experienced this in my first year (laughs) of my business. I'm like, like, wait, why don't we just knock on houses where you see they need painting? Well, it's like they need painting for a reason because they never want to get it painted. No, it's so true though. I would like the way I did mine is- But I I thought it would be different with roofs because you need a fucking roof, right? Like, No, it all translates, dude. Like when you think, yeah, no. Deferred maintenance is a thing. But also if you think about it too, if you look at like what's happening in, in, in the housing market, and just how preposterous it really is yeah like there's some home like like the average home price in Kelowna went up 29 percent this year that's oh my goodness dude yeah i was talking to a client on sunday and his home was assessed for 53 percent more than it was last year 53 percent dude so it's time to sell and and so the thing is, is that if you're a homeowner and you're like deferring maintenance, deferring maintenance, and you just keep getting higher assessments, it's like, right? What's the point? Well, yeah, I mean, the, well, you, 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 yeah, you can literally invest into your home. You paint it for five thousand dollars; it is no longer worth just five thousand dollars more. Like it's worth more than that. Yeah, but but nonetheless, the, the, I I I avoid homes that need painting quote unquote just for the sake of they need painting i yeah. I, I go to i only go to high you know the demographics i'm looking for and then do my thing from there but i don't go to neighborhoods just because like like you know if i go to rutland for example every house needs painting like literally every single house needs painting no jobs to book mm-hmm. or at least not not in the same efficient way that it is in the higher demographic neighborhoods mm-hmm. yeah yeah, like I'm not going to like extremely low income neighborhoods, but I'm going to neighborhoods that are like, you know, well, not Austin, bad, you're selling a product that is somewhere between half to maybe three, three times someone's income. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's right. Cool. So, I mean, when you look at the fact that the average Canadian couldn't even survive two weeks during COVID, it, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah that's why you don't go to low demographic neighborhoods. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no. And, and until there's a financing product, not... you could finance the shit out of it, though. Mm-hmm. But then, but then you kind of yeah. Have you seen like that? Like, uh, uh, what's that? What's that TV show? I I, I never actually watched it, but I've heard of it. It's like they like sell. They're like selling windows. Isn't it called like Liquid Gold or something like that? I don't know. I forget. Anyway, it's this movie about these like UK salesmen that are just like all it's it's it, it's it's a rea- it's not a reality show it's like an actual like it's like a mockumentary kind of thing, and mm. they're like selling windows, but they're just financing everything like they're just like constantly just like so they're just like total like I don't know kind of scumbags in a lot of ways, like, just saddling people up with a bunch of debt. Financing. <clears throat> Uh, that's actually something that that I, I want to kind of just touch upon again. I, I know that I kind of rant about this all the time, but so I'll keep it kind of somewhat short. But once again, I just want to repeat that it seems like the housing market is propped up on the fact that it's basically a game of chicken of who can borrow the most money at this point. Yo, I got a uh... yeah, yeah. I got said. a notice in the mail 
or I got an email from uh, RBC and they were like, you've been you're approved. eligible. Yeah. <laughs> you've been approved for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of a line of credit. Here's your interest rate. I was like, man. Well, like in is Kelowna, it because I'm not borrowing enough from you guys? Like, well, it's what, interesting, you know, right? Like the... Because that's that's like it, it's fascinating if you think about it. Because so you have this weird you have this weird situation where basically like a, a good portion of of society is looking to retire sometime soon, and the main retirement vehicle they have is their home, and you have like young people that are all trying to get rich quick, and they see all these homes get propped up, so they're all like playing a game of chicken to see who can borrow the most money to buy these houses. Like it's it's, it's just this really weird dynamic going on right now in society yeah. where. Like when you look at someone like purchasing a home, I think we talked about this on the last podcast, but someone's paying somewhere between 10 to 30 times their income to buy. Like so, or in other words, they're willing to borrow 25 to 50% of all of their lifetime earnings to, to cover their shelter. Right. Crazy. It's pretty wild. very wild yeah that's kind of a sign of a bubble then maybe but what do we know maybe well but so yeah we and, and i'm gonna tell you guys too what, what i'm doing out here because um miranda and i figure that since we're both now uh we we're both working aggressively and trying to maximize our income so for the past couple of months we're like man we should try and pay into something that we own because we can easily afford like a smaller house and have that be approximately what we're paying in rent. I think it was a similar situation to what you were doing, John. Kind of. Yeah. uh, Yeah. As long as it's less, the argument that you're just paying down a a principal is not really a good argument, but, but it is, if it's the same or less than your rent, then there's a, there's some argument there. Mm, Right. That makes sense. Cause that was the case for you. Yeah, for me, it was a case that it was cheaper to uh, live in a condo or own my own condo than it was to rent in Kelowna. I mean, if you think about it, choosing to rent is basically shorting the housing market. Yeah, pretty much. Choosing to, like renting. Yeah, 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 choosing choosing to. to, yeah. 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 I guess it is, yeah. So we were looking at just like, okay, if you take like the bottom end of both of our pre-approvals and you sum that together it's like okay let's go see if we can find a house and we've bid on a few houses and like for what we think they're worth like they're pretty respectable offers but they just get sold like we bid i think twenty thousand dollars over asking on one house because it had an income suite in the basement we could figure we could, we could actually generate some income off of it it sold for a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars more yeah so homes and you're just like Kelowna you're just like how ten you... to fifteen percent over asking price. Yeah, but so yeah. so then this is I was I was mentioning this to Trisha. It's like it's it's not as if these individuals are like you know like going to a restaurant and they're like trying to argue between like fuck man do I want to get the steak it's like forty seven bucks or do I want to get the hamburger it's twenty like fuck okay I guess mm-hmm. I'll get the steak. You know, it's fine. I'll just I'll right. fork out the extra $27, right? That's not what's actually happening. It's actually more of like a, okay, I, I want this hamburger and, uh, okay, this is this is perfect, okay? And then the restaurant says, well, we actually only have one hamburger left and this guy's willing to pay us 30 And you're like, oh, fuck. 
And then the guy next to you is like, hey, dude, I know you don't have the money on you right now, but I'll loan you 20 bucks so you can bid 40. You can pay me back later. And that's mm-hmm. how a hamburger that was normally going for 20 is now 40. And then, the, and then you buy it at 40. And then the chick next to you is like, holy shit. The, that guy just made $20 on that burger. Fuck, let's buy a burger as well. Hey, hey, Austin, I know you just bought that for 40. Can we, what, can I pay, can I pay 50 for it? And you're like, fucking sweet. I mean, I, I, yeah, okay. I'll just get fries. It's all good. Like here's the, here's the burger. Yeah. And then that, and then, and then, and then Amher's like, yo, dude, Austin just made $10 and he didn't even fucking order anything yet. <laughs> right. And then, and then that guy's like yeah, yeah. got repaid. Cause you know, he got his loan back from you and he's like trying to loan fucking Amher 40 bucks. Yeah. You know? It's like. Well, cause, cause what we're finding is like in this one market that's, I guess, obviously each Kelowna's market is different than Gatineau's market. That's different than Etobicoke's market. It's different than uh, wherever the hell Amher is, Belize's market. Um, we're finding that if you look at appraised value, a new house, let's say you can find a house that's built in like the last three years or something, right? Um is worth so much it will those have appreciated along with like houses that have been built 50 like 20 to 50 years ago but the problem is people aren't willing to like wait to build a house like a lot of people want a house they don't want to build a house they just want the house like they want the house that's functional and livable and so the costs of building have actually come down a little bit since covid and if you look at <clears throat> if you look at the costs of building plus the cost of like an acre of land to get a brand new house. It's actually cheaper than buying like a 20 year old house with very similar specs because there's no, there's, there's almost zero competition there. I would question like, the specs obvi- part, but, but I hear your, I hear you out though. Like on, on yeah, like it's, it's, it's something that we're considering. Cause it's just like, once you own it, cause we can actually, if you do the math on it, we can, buy a house or buy a la- a piece of land build a house over the course of a year like it takes about a year and we're looking at it like a few a few uh, prefab companies that build houses and then deliver it and put it together um and just the mortgage on the land and the house is within a couple like i would say within four three or four hundred dollars of being cash flow positive if you were to just turn around and rent it out a well, brand new house. Yeah, but of course, we, we are talking about being cash flow positive in in an environment where interest rates yeah, are that, no, I agree. as low as they've been. Yeah. Yeah. So the margin so like of safety vacancy is high. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that that necessarily would be our plan either. I'm just saying like... No, no, I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying it's crazy how that is technically a possibility in like today's market, but obviously in like in five years, who no, knows? But what, that's, what, what I know, that's what I'm trying to say. Is I don't find that crazy. I do, I guess. I, you know, like, I guess I, I find it insane that like, as long as I have, let's say, you know, 10% of the building costs and the land costs and the patience of a year, like I can actually wait a year or whatever. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have like a, a strict timeline necessarily. If I have 10% of the building costs and a, and a pretty patient timeline, 
I can essentially profit off of someone else's living. I, I find that kind of ridiculous. That's my personal opinion. Oh, because people are so impatient, you're saying? Yes, yes. Yeah, because like the reason why we're getting... There, like, could, be man, a, there could be a, a, a difference in, in build quality, of course. Like, like, like one example, like I'll use my condo as an example because it, to me it's just, I, I, it's just baffling to me, but I'm okay with, <laughs> I'm okay with just not caring and just having what I think is a superior option. But like, I, so like if you look at my yeah. condo, it's 1500 square feet, which is ridiculous for a condo really. I mean, it's just, that's it's, huge. Yeah. It's super rare to have a 1500 square foot condo, nine foot ceilings. You know, I have crown molding everywhere, you know, real wood trim, like, you know, as in like you fucking refinish. Damn, John, you, know, you gotta like, get me over to this house. Yeah, it's you know like you know, this condo, like you know like it's the crown molding, like it's you know it's nice. It's, yeah, but it's like <laughs> see the but crown it's, molding. It's, it's a nice condo. I mean, effectively, <laughs> there's very little renovation. No, but no, but my point being though is that this I is get, all I get it, dude. Wood. It was yeah. just like you see that fucking crown molding, son. No, but 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 I'm saying this. So so like I don't have a calculator on me, but like so if you like, I bought my condo for I don't know. It's actually just go with like fair market value right now. Okay. So if I was to sell my condo, I could conservatively get half a million dollars for it. Okay. Sure. And so effectively, um, what, I don't know what, Amber, do you, do you have a calculator? Just because it, it would actually be easier for us. To, yeah. I could so I'm not making up out. numbers too much. But like, I got you, bro. What's 500,000 divided by 1,500? Uh, 333. Three, three. Okay. So that's the price per square foot. Okay. So. I'm paying $333 a square foot to, if, if I was to repurchase this condo, that's how much someone would have to pay to, to buy this off of me effectively, right? Or, you know, you could buy actually units in my building for maybe even less than that, right? Similar square footage kind of thing. But point being, um, and it's a nice condo, 1,500 square feet. You can have a new condo in Kelowna and they're selling constantly and they uh, are, you know, maybe maybe eight foot ceilings, the occasional nine foot in some areas, you know, maybe maybe eight feet most places and then 10 feet like in the living room kind of thing. Um, and these average somewhere around six to 800 square feet. Uh, also two bedroom, two bath, okay? Um, the fixtures and whatnot are not of particular high quality. They're new, but they're not high quality, right? Everything's MDF. So there's, not, there's no real wood used. Mm -hmm. And all the floors are like, some people are like, oh, I don't like carpet. It's like vinyl plank is not exactly like a luxury item here, you know? Like yeah, everything looks yeah. good right now, but it's not like a, it's not actually a high quality material, right? You know, the, mm -hmm. the kitchen cabinets are new. How much and are they white. selling for? Um, 600,000 or more. So do, but do 600,000 divided by 800. Seven fifty. And then divide that by 333. 2.25 okay so you're paying 2.25 is that what it was yeah yeah 2.25 times the price per square foot to buy one of these new condos that are like three times worse that are in my opinion so they're half the size roughly a little bit almost half the size and as far as fixtures and whatnot other than it just being new which of course it's like it's kind of like the whole idea that everyone drives a used vehicle okay like within two to three years, it's, you know, it's, you're, mm -hmm. you have a lived in condo, right? Um, mm -hmm. Why is, you know, so now, so what, no, what I'm not saying is that I think that my condo should be worth 600,000 <laughs> or, or what, or, or should be worth, 
two point two five. It mm. should should be worth a million dollars mm. because that's that's what that mm. per square foot. That's not what I'm yeah, arguing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying. What I'm arguing is that there's irrationality in paying <laughs> that much more when you could have this, right? And mm-hmm. and, I, and that's kind of you're in a similar mentality where it's like, hold on. I could have. Yeah. 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 Well, because I actually caught myself thinking that way. I was like, I really want, because there was this one house that it fit all of our specs for what we would like idealistically like. Yeah. And it had a separate suite in the, in the basement that was a walkout basement, separate entrance, separate kitchen, separate bathroom, everything like in, it was an income suite. Literally it was set up to have, if, if someone else was renting this from us, this would be paying down like just shy of half the mortgage while we're living there and then it would actually would have been cheaper than living in this apartment and i was like oh my god this is great so we put in an offer that was above asking and very very healthy offer and then we started to get a suspicion that again in quebec the the real estate uh, laws along with other provinces are very blind right so you don't know what your offer is it's a blind offer and or you don't know what other offers are we started to get the idea like there was like eight, nine, 10 offers going in on this house. And we were like, damn, they're like, do we submit an enhancement like before this deadline, et cetera. And then, like you said, John, it's literally that hamburger argument, right? It's like you see other people willing to pay more for the same thing. And then you're sitting there like, oh, Bandwagon shit. Well, that's why like, we're again, talking to. I'm so excited. For and then I was just like, three. hold on. No, I was willing to pay this. If I'm not going to pay this, I'm not getting it. Like, this is just the way it's going to be. Because if I, you know, it's a slippery slope. Or if, you have a, if you have a really bad real estate agent, he'll play into that and be like, oh, you don't yeah, yeah. lose. You don't lose this. Yeah, but here's the thing, Emmer. When you're, you engaged, when you're engaged to your agent who also wants the property, it's like. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is obviously not like a web. Like a web three is not necessarily the solution. Obviously, it, it, there's a bit more nuance to, to that. But that's why I'm excited for things to continue to be innovated on. Because like mm-hmm. it's public knowledge what people are buying and selling stocks for. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a bid and ask spread, right? And how amazing would it be for home prices to be much more transparent? Uh, it would be amazing for everybody except the the agents and the homeowners. Well, and the sellers, potentially, yeah. Yeah, homeowners. And the sellers, yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, before you go good night, because I'm going to go good night right, right after. I'm going to mm. go eat. John needs some 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 sleep. Uh, yeah. I, my my Wi-Fi cannot handle playing uh, oh, this no song, way. so I sent you the song. No, no, no. I want to pl- I want to choose the song. I have a good song. Oh no! Uh, I was hoping to pick the song tonight, but uh, fuck it. Here. Uh, okay, hold on. Hold on. Wait, hold, hold on. John. Hold on. Hold on. Now, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna ask Siri. So Austin, pull out Siri. So I'll I'll be number one. Austin, you be number two. John will be number three. Ask Siri to pick a number between one and three. Put it near the mic. Hey, Siri. Pick a random. Put it near your mic. Pick a random number between one and three. One. One. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, there you go. Who is that? She didn't who speak up though. She just it just one came up on the screen. Who, who, who is that? Um, that's me. Yeah, we're playing. I guess we're doing Amber's song. Whoa. We're playing. I mean, hold on. Whoa. We're playing. I don't feel like I got. I don't feel like I got a fair shake there. I feel like I was trying to pick. <laughs> I, I feel like I should be number one. <laughs> Amber literally just said that he's number one, I'm number two, about? and you're number three. Oh, oh, sorry, I missed that part. I was like, I was kind of confused. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I got a fair shake there. <laughs> Amber's like, what was the number? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> John's like, what, what yeah, no, I was like, I was like, wait, wait, why would, yeah. S smoke slurp? Is that what that is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, smoke perp. Smoke burp, yeah. Don't, don't don't play that genius one because that's not the song. You should go to YouTube. Click a uh, click video. This is YouTube. No, but this what is mean, lyrics and meaning. Yeah, this is lyric and meaning. Just click videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one, that one. Yeah, second that's the one. one that was there. Second one, the second one. This one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's the one. That's the song. Second golf instructor. I love how when when yeah, Austin, that's such perfect ads for yeah, Austin. Austin. Dude, that's why I love. <laughs> no, 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 John. I'm always incognito, dude. So Austin gets like golf. He videos, is not. Amber gets like some weird anime shit. Like I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't. I'm always incognito. I knew you gonna say that. He is not. Okay, so this is S Ski Mask by Smoke Perp and directed by Cole Bennett. No, I think it's Dura Cole Bennett. <laughs> no, no, it's directed. It's directed. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Seven million views. Hey, yeah. Hey, Trapaholics makes tapes. John. Play this record as frequently as. This guy just looks like he doesn't belong here. Like we know that guy. Is it little uh, little Pete? That's little pump. Yeah, little you can pause. Little pump. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yo, no one in that video looks like they're that confident in what they're doing. I gotta be honest. <laughs> no, no. I was gonna say like I don't know if that was filmed after the other guy shot his cameraman, but everyone seemed like pretty gun shy there. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't see any funny. Smith and Wesson, so I don't can I don't I don't uh, support this video. Yeah. Scroll down. Scroll down. More. More. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go from pull up, pull up at your crib, yeah, until the end. Okay, here we go. Okay, pull up at your crib with a ski mask, <laughs> with a ski mask. Pull up at your crib with a ski mask, with a ski mask. Hey, yeah, I'm at your crib with a ski mask. Ski, <laughs> ski. Pull up your crib with a ski mask. Skirt, skirt. 
Hey, N-word. I'm at your crib with a ski. 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 Yeah, N-words. No, I'm a ball just like the heat. Yeah, just like the heat. A, Rick Owens. Margellas on my feet. Margellas. Margellas on my feet. I got that preme. Pussy N-word. Preem. I got that I got that preem. Pussy <laughs> Pussy N-word. Got that he. A. Woo. Keep that 30 right there by my waist. My N-word, all my N-words will shoot you in your face. All my N-words got lawyers. We beat that case. Woo. I keep that K right by my waist. Pull up your crib with a ski mask. Pull up your crib with a ski mask. A, yeah, I'm at your crib with a ski mask. A, pull up your crib with a ski mask. A, ski mask, ski mask. Yeah. Really so that's Smoke Burp. He's he's like really yeah. good friends with uh, Lil Peep. Not I guess Lil if Peep. you get pulled up with, Peep, a, Peep. With, uh, with a ski mask, you're pretty, you're out, you're done, right? Like, yeah. This is less wisdom and more knowledge, but nonetheless, I think there's like lessons to just kind of understand here, you know, lessons in history kind of thing, but. It is hard for us to realize how widely community communities were separated from one another when they were or when they depended for transportation wholly on the railroad and the horse and wagon. And when telephones were still scarce and radios non-existent, a town which was not situated on a railroad was really remote. A farmer who lived five, five miles outside the county seat made something of an eve uh, sorry, sorry made something of an event of hitching up and taking the family to town for a Saturday afternoon shopping. His grandchildren make the run in a casual 10 minutes and think nothing of it. A trip to see friends 10 miles away was likely to be an all-day expedition, for the horse had to be given a chance to rest and be fed. No wonder that each region, each town, each farm was far more dependent upon its own resources, its own produce, social contacts, amusements, than in later years. For, term, for in terms of travel and communication, the United States was a very big country indeed. Uh, that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. That, that really supplements our conversation there. So yeah. who was yeah, the yeah, author cool. there? Um, I don't know. Um, this, was, uh, this is a great book. Actually, I'm reading it. So it's called The Big Change, America Transforms Itself, 1900 to 1950 by Frederick Lewis Allen. Yeah. All right. So we got Frederick Lewis Allen against Smoke Perp. So, yeah, I think Mr. Allen's taken that one in my books, but hey, who knows? Maybe you got Smoke Perp taking the W there. So, yeah. Which one would you blast in your car driving down the street? <laughs> you know what song we have to I play would next say, time? What? Cartoon and Serials. Cartoon and Serials. You can't, no, you can't queue up for next time. You can't do that. Yeah, that's I cheating. can't queue up? No, you can't queue up. I can't up, call man. Shotgun into Infinity? No, no, you can't. You can't. You got to see the car first. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I've been yo, listening Austin. to that. Uh, I sent yeah. that knock knock song that you played last week. Knock knock. Yeah, to good, some so, to some door to door marketers. I was like, this is yeah. your this is your pump knock, up knock music. <laughs> New hair. <laughs> young young thing wanna. Uh, bad girl wanna. Uh, uh, yeah, so funny. Young y- Yardies wanna. Uh, <laughs> Tion yeah. Wayne. Yo, Austin. I have to say, man. I have to thank you because like what a year and a half ago you um you chose to go on vacation and you let go of all your all your habits and decided to indulge and you warned us of the dangers of that 
So you remember that? You like went on vacation for like two weeks during Christmas time. And oh you, yes, you, yes, you yes, yes, like, yes. This wasn't. It was. It was. It was December 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because I'm I'm in Belize. I'm like I got that urge to like just buy a bunch of sugar and eat chips and stay up, and I'm not. So thank you, man. Appreciate that. Yes. Good. Having a beer. You're not gonna productive. do any of that. It's crazy that, that like. No, no. This guy came up to us today. He was like holding like a big, uh, big bucket of like food. He's like, oh, I got lemon cakes. I got this and that. I also got wheat brownies. And it's just like so openly, yeah, yeah, nonchalant about it. I'm like, hey, man, thank you, thanks, but no thanks. So yeah, there's funny. something about like earning indulgence that's kind of a myth. I've realized because I love to indulge in things. Oh, like, dude, this is a conversation for another time. Yeah, but yeah. one of my friends, like like James was, was making the argument today where if you go like door to door and like the way you reward yourself is by like buying yourself a muffin or like a, a chocolate chip, mm-hmm. you're actually creating the wrong connections in your brain between mm-hmm. that activity and the reward. Mm-hmm. The reward for going door to door is getting an estimate. That's the yes. reward. Yeah. So don't get it twisted, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. shit, man, that's some wisdom right there. Because yeah. I, I do that. I'm like, mm. oh, I earned this Netflix show. That, I earned this YouTube yeah, video. That is point. so dangerous. Whereas if it's like, just eat a muffin. If you if you want so, a muffin, yeah, I'm like just, just eating a muffin because I'm I want a muffin. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, Don't make this. it earn something. Yeah, exactly. the lie can be so dangerous because yeah. then you're going door to door for that Netflix show, and it's like, man, that's that's how you don't run a successful. That's business. very interesting. Point. The reward for work, yeah, the reward for working hard is. Like the word for working out are your muscles, not yeah. the chocolate bar or the McDonald's meal. That is like I feel like that's just yeah. a, a necessary heuristic to for sure. add that's a fascinating to point. the list of heuristics of the weekly call. I will say though, unless you guys want to witness the first man's like fall asleep while speaking, we need to. Uh, yeah, we gotta go. Podcast, yeah. No, you're good. Right. Okay, I just guys. wanted to add that into. Yeah. No, our I agree. Lattice. Add that I to agree. the lattice. Add it to the mental models. I agree. Stop rewarding yourself with things unrelated. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Have a good night, everybody. Uh, no, 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 no. Good night. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.